You're listening to the Baby Your Baby podcast with me, Jade Elliott, where we talk all things pregnancy, children, and parenting. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. Baby Your Baby is a KUTV2 news podcast and is sponsored by Intermountain Healthcare, Broadway Media, and the Utah Department of Health. Thanks for joining us for our Baby Your Baby podcast with myself, Jade Elliott. And today I'm joined by Dr. William Cosgrove, pediatrician and chair of the Salt Lake County Board of Health. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we're talking about adverse childhood experiences or ACEs as they're referred to as well. Something uh, not a lot of people probably either A, talk about or B, even know uh, that they play a factor in children and their mental health. Talk to us a little bit about um, kind of where this idea came from. And you're saying a lot of these studies dating back 22, 22 years, years. Yeah. but now kind of coming into light a little more talking about adverse childhood experiences. Gradually. So uh, trying to put it uh, into a bigger focus, about two-thirds of us, two out of every three, have had at least one emotional injury in our childhood. And those emotional injuries, uh, lead. you can think of that as emotional trauma. You can think of that as adverse childhood experiences. You can think of that as PTSD. It's essentially emotional injury that leads to physical, emotional, and mental, and social uh, problems later in life. And because it's two out of three of us, it affects every family. Mm-hmm. People not understanding maybe what some of those... ACEs, those adverse childhood experiences, might even look like. What are some of those signs or symptoms, or what, what's that look like right. for a family? Um, the original ones, back when the, the research started, uh, they asked 10 questions that had to do with physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical neglect, emotional neglect, uh, family disturbances such as uh, uh, mental illness in the family or uh, uh, substance abuse in the family. Uh, one of the biggest uh, things here in Utah is a child witnessing violence, particularly witnessing violence against their mother with um, uh, interpersonal uh, violence. And, and these leave a child with emotional injury and that uh, if that child is gets pretty quick nurturing from the, the people around them in the family and particularly their parents, uh, they can mitigate that and not be harmed. But um, but if they, it isn't dealt with, then that leaves with emotional scars. Now, when we're physically injured, we, we heal, but we heal right. with scars, scars right. that can trip us up later. When we're emotionally injured, which is more subtle, mm-hmm. we heal, but we heal with scars, scars that can affect our health later, our emotional health later. And, I mean, it's because our kids are like little sponges. Uh, yes. they, they see everything, they hear everything, and when they're seeing and hearing things uh, that can cause some of these adverse childhood experiences, uh, kind of what you're saying is a lot of us aren't realizing how far in life they're going to carry those. Right. And how much that can play a factor into their adulthood. Right. Um, about a, th- uh, you know, if, if you look at all of it, it affects about a third of the health and mental health problems in adulthood, a third. 
So a third of our healthcare cost is probably directly related to emotional injury in childhood. And it doesn't have to be big obvious things like a child who is sexually abused, of course, is going to be emotionally injured. Mm -hmm. But a child who's just emotionally neglected because mom happens to be suffering postpartum depression for mm -hmm. a while, um, that child is also injured and, and can be severely injured. Um, as I mentioned, the uh, uh, consequences later, um, if a child has had four of these adverse childhood experiences, which isn't hard to accomplish, um, he's uh, t twice as likely to be uh, behind in language in kindergarten, nine times as likely to have behavior problems in wow. elementary school, uh, two and a half times as likely to be diagnosed as ADD. Um, but it also affects in, in adulthood, uh, twice the likelihood of obesity, twice the likelihood of uh, psychosis later, mm -hmm. three times as long more likely to suffer depression, um, twice as likely to pick up um, self-medication things like abused cigarettes or uh, four times li more likely to be alcoholic. And um, one of the things that's scary is that uh, this a child has seven times more likely to, to be involved in our penal system mm -hmm. and end up in prison and 12 times more likely to attempt suicide. So this has got long-lasting, lifelong bad uh, outcomes. And um, what, we, what it tells us is that every child, every child deserves to be nurtured. Sure, absolutely. And, uh, and in order to nurture that child, we, the, the village, have to nurture that mother right. or that parent. And we have to kind of make sure that parent has enough uh, bandwidth to take care of this child, and so that affects everything that we do in society. It affects early childhood education, and, and, you know, the cost of preschool. Uh -huh. uh, it affects um, uh, whether or not we allow mothers to be home with their child for a while after birth. Uh, you know, we still kick that problem around, and really every child deserves to have parental leave. <laughs> mm -hmm. Maybe the parent doesn't, but the child <laughs> clearly deserves it. And if we don't, we're going to have enormous costs later. Right. Because we're going to be continuing to try to take care of some of these adverse childhood experiences. That could have been easily prevented. Right. Yes. Right. Exactly. So you're saying, you're, you're talking about not only, of course, taking care of the child, mm -hmm. but it starts before that child is Peaks. even born. Yeah. A lot of a lot of the factors also play into the mother's mental health during the pregnancy. During her pregnancy, yeah. Uh, the um, the I I don't exactly. I'm not sure I have the exact numbers, but about one in five mm -hmm. of our women here in Utah suffer uh, mental health issues during the pregnancy or in that first critical year after the pregnancy, one in five. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a skin in every family. And um, the uh, their emotional well-being, um, say if, if mom is anxious during the pregnancy mm -hmm. in that fight-or-flight response, well, the fight-or-flight response leads to adrenaline and cortisol, uh, kind of toxic chemicals sure. that that child is um, pickled in for nine months. And then that same mother is still stressed after the birth yeah. and may not be able to uh, give that child all of the emotional uh, support that he needs to grow emotionally. And, and uh, emotional development 
we require kind of emotional stability before we can learn, before we can learn language, before we can learn to sit still in our chair at kindergarten, before mm -hmm. we can learn how to hold a crayon. We have to have the emotional stability there first. And that's, um, that's what this is all about, is how do we make, there's a new child born every, every 10 minutes in Utah. Yeah. How do we make his child predictably safe? And it really means we, the village, we, the community, we, the state, have to protect that mom and give that mom enough support so that she can emotionally support that child. And I keep saying mom because they're the usual uh, ones. But this can be uh, a loving grandmother. This can be right. the neighbor lady. This can be the father. This can be anybody who is there and sort of loves that child unconditionally and gives that child the emotional support he needs to grow. Mm -hmm. And do you see it kind of... Um becoming a bit of a, a vicious cycle in the sense of, um, you know, during pregnancy, if, if the mother is, you know, stressed, stressed and, <clears throat> and having some mental health issues, and then, of course, going through the delivery and now bringing baby home and now baby's not getting the, the love and emotional support the baby needs, child grows into adverse childhood experiences, and then does that child then continue kind of that cycle of then... The whole intergenerational poverty mm -hmm. uh, uh, problem is, the, is not genetics. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not nature, it's nurture. Right. It's that uh, a child who wasn't nurtured well doesn't grow up to be well, uh, uh, skilled at nurturing own child. Almost doesn't and have so the tools. Doesn't have the tools. And doesn't have the emotional stability uh -huh. to be um, the full support for that next generation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it goes on for generations. And uh, the fix is pretty simple. That was my next question, how do we fix it? We've, we need to make sure that every parent is supported and nurtured and dealt with as far as living in fear. If they're living in fear, we have to help them. Right. That means homelessness and that means uh, drug addiction and that means um, you know, single parents who are overwhelmed, and that means, uh, you know, fragile economics. Uh, I mean, all of the things that can lead a young parent to be in fear will adversely affect that child. Right. And so, and these are economic decisions, and these are both local and state decisions, but these are also in family. You know, if you've got, um, say, as I mentioned, two out of three of us have been injured. Yeah. And, um, so if you've got a coworker who, you know, is triggered and flies off the handle, um, the first thing isn't to ask, hey, what's wrong with you? The first question is gently to ask, hey, what's happened to you? Mm -hmm. Because mostly, most parents, most people, I think all people, bring the best of some, themselves that they can to work every day. Right. And if they're, if they're struggling, it's because something is pushing them over their edge. Outside. And and that means we, the people around them, have a chance to kind of help them, yeah. and pull them back from the cliff a little bit and sort of say, hey, let's talk this out a little bit. What can we do to kind of make you less stressed today, less fearful today, less panicky today? Um, when we're scared, and um, I think a lot of our population lives in fear every single day, when we're scared, 
we can't think clearly. We can't consider all the options. We tend to be impulsive. We tend to um, make the same dumb decisions we made last Tuesday again and again mm -hmm. because we're, the fear keeps us from thinking clearly. And we, the people around, can lessen the fear a little bit, can lessen the fear of homelessness, lessen the fear of missing rent, lessen the fear of, uh, of you know, the torments that people with addictions live in. Right. Um, we can lessen that and therefore help them be better parents because that next child deserves it. And, and then the children thereafter and thereafter and thereafter. For generations. Yeah. yeah. So what are the resources? How can, uh, how could I, as a friend to someone, find mm -hmm. a resource to help another mother? Or also how can that mother or father uh, or grandparent or whoever uh, find those resources to help themselves as well? Well, um, first of all, there's, uh, this is, once the injury has occurred, mm -hmm. um, we may not be able to get you back to perfect, but we can lessen the, the troubles. Uh, Trauma-informed therapists, and you can find them on the internet, but trauma-informed sure. therapists essentially uh, first deal with the fear. Lessen the patient's fear enough so that they can think, mm -hmm. and then they can create their own solutions. But you have to deal with the fear first or you can't get to their own uh, skills at, at coping. And uh, for a friend, um, you know, you don't have to fix it because what we're talking about is their history. You can't fix it. Right. But you can listen. You can honor their story. And you can accept it without shame because mm -hmm. most of this leads people to feel shame. You can accept it and say, oh, I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, how can we make you feel braver today? Mm -hmm. How can we help you cope? How can we lessen some of the current fears? so that you're not kind of re-triggered and having to deal with whatever happened to you at age seven. Right. And with the children, if, if we're coming into contact with children that we know have had some of these adverse childhood experiences, you know, before they do get into adulthood, where it, okay. of course, will continue to affect them, how, how do we help them? How do we help the children going through some of this? Um, children are, first of all, um, because they're more plastic, <laughs> they ch they're more, uh, uh, their ability to change is better than adults. Their, their ability to heal is also better. Right. Uh, but they do need um, a situation where they are protected from further fear. And that's hard to do. Um, you know, we have streets that are dangerous, schools that are dangerous, neighborhoods that are dangerous, families that are dangerous, and so we somehow have to get that child to not be in danger mm -hmm. so that they have a chance to heal. And, um, and it takes really a person, one person, who essentially loves them in unconditionally, who um, accepts the fact that they're struggling with anger or whatever it is that the child is struggling with, and um, loves them anyway. And that's a tricky business of, sure. I love you, I don't love what you're doing. Right. <laughs> you know, and you have to be clear about that with a child because when you say, I, you know, I hate it when you scribble on the wall, the child hears it as they, you hate them. Mm -hmm. And you have to be very clear with a child that I love you, I don't like it when you scribble on the wall. Right. And, is in, and that helps to bring stability to a child's life. And that's that emotional um, safety net is what we need to provide to the child. And again, 
there are therapists who deal with the children who are most hurt, but sure. we have very few therapists, and we have an awful lot of people who, and children and adults who have been emotionally injured. And we just need to see that as a society and cut people a little slack. The guy who cut you off at, you know, uh, on the freeway this morning was probably having a bad day. <laughs> and we can be angry about it, or we can at least understand it. Right. And, and maybe drive defensively, too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, what else do you want our listeners to know about adverse, adverse childhood experiences? You know, in the big social problem, we really need to focus on our next citizen, that next, citi next child who's born in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, his parents need parental leave. His parents need some way to uh, guarantee their housing so they don't have to move every three weeks or every, you know, when the rent's due. Uh, we have to uh, provide early childhood education that is quality. Now, one of the things is that our early childhood educators are paid less than livable wages. So we are stressing out the people who we are entrusting with our children. Um, we can do better than that. Mm -hmm. We can um, share the wealth to where it uh, guarantees that next child a safe, emotionally safe childhood. And we have to guarantee that for life. No, we have to get them through that first vulnerable years. Mm -hmm. And um, as a state, Utah is committed to families, is committed to children. But we often don't put our money where our mouth is. And our legislature really needs to come up with policies and procedures and laws that say we have to protect that family, not because they deserve it, but that child deserves it. Right. Because we just have to, we just have to fix everything. <laughs> Let's just all. fix everything, That's Doctor. All. There we go. <laughs> well, thank you so much for um, kind of talking us through this yeah. and and explaining it a little more. And I think I think for a lot of our listeners, um, maybe not hearing those words together, adverse childhood experience. Um, now maybe understanding it a little better in the sense of what they've seen right. in other children or what they maybe are experiencing themselves and have never put it all together that way. When we live in fear, uh, if you, if you, um, if a bear walks into the room, we all would get our heart rate running, we'd have a fight or flight response, we would rev up, and while we're fighting for our lives, everything else about our physiology takes a, a back burner. Mm -hmm. So we shut down our digestion, we shut down our healing, we shut down our immune system, we, uh, of, uh, prioritize just staying alive. And then when the bear leaves, we reprioritize all of that other maintenance stuff. Mm -hmm. But if the bear doesn't leave, if say that bear is snoring, drunk and snoring in the next room and that child lives in fear 24 seven, mm -hmm. then that becomes the set point. That child lives in fear, stays in fear all of the time. And that all means all of those other restorative processes don't get prioritized, right? And that's why it leads to lifelong consequences. Because they have, they, they know nothing different than that. They know nothing different. And when you when you put up the two between lead poisoning and chi emotional injury in childhood, the outcomes are almost exactly the same. Wow. The American Academy of Pediatrics tends to use the word toxic stress for this because it's just like a toxin. It is just like a poison. It's emotional poisoning of a child. 
and we just have to fix everything to get it all right. Yes, we do. Well, thank you so much for being with us and, and explaining this and kind of walking us through um, the, the mechanisms and kind of breaking it down for our listeners to get a better grasp of what it means, what it looks like, and how they can help. How they can help. And again, as I mentioned, this is two out of three of us. This is in every family. Right, absolutely. Dr. Cosgrove, thank you so much. I appreciate the time. And that concludes uh, our podcast on adverse childhood experiences. Thanks for listening to our Baby Your Baby podcast. Thanks for joining me, Jade Elliott, and our guest for this week's Baby Your Baby podcast. If you have a topic that you'd like our Baby Your Baby experts to discuss, leave us a comment and don't forget to subscribe. Baby Your Baby is a KUTV2 news podcast and is sponsored by Intermountain Healthcare, Broadway Media, and the Utah Department of Health.